All right, I will say good morning. Good morning, let us begin by thanking our sponsors for today's share. To thank our Talmud Torah sponsors for the month of Tebis. Yol and Sar Kelman, in honor of the birth of their daughter, Oriya Tehelen, and the hope that all those davening for the bracha of children should have their tilos answered Bekarov. To thank Stephen Tarizin for dedicating the shiurim this month in honor of their grandchildren, Adin Svi and Naftali Moshe, and Shirley Elbaum and family for dedicating the shiurim this month in commemoration of the yard site of Jerry Elbaum Yaakov Kapol, Ben Rabbavram Menachem. We also dedicate our day of learning today in commemoration of the yard site of Rabbi Price, Zichron Livracha, Halaf Shlomo Aryeh Ben Moshe, Zichat Zadik Livracha, the second Rav here of the Shul for over a quarter of a century. We hope that in the merit of our Talmud Torah, his Nisham will have an Aliyah and the family a Nechama. And I will say with that, let us begin the beautiful, beautiful daf ahead of us today. We are picking up today's daf is daf Tess. Daf Tess, daf 9. We are picking up the Mirza Hashem on Ches Amadeis, kind of like the middle of the page. So we're picking up Ella Amar Rava. It's a 2, 4, 6, 8, 10, 12, 14, 16 lines up from the bottom. So I will say, so remember again, we left off in the middle of the really interesting sugya of the distinction between a Mitzora Muskar and a Mitzora Muchlot. Mitzora Muskar. So I will say, if you think about it, by the way, the, the term itself, actually, Mitzora Muskar, sometimes is a little bit misleading. Because Mitzorah means what? Someone afflicted with Saras. Muskar means what? He's quarantined in order to what? In order to what? To see if he has Saras. Now it turns out a Mitzorah Muskar, in the end of the day, actually what? Doesn't have Saras. So he's not really a Mitzorah. But again, you understand, know, so we call it a Mitzorah Muskar. He's someone who's quarantined with the suspicion of Saras versus a Mitzorah Muchlot, who is someone ultimately, again, who has been, who has been positively diagnosed with Tzaras. So the Mishnah said, the only distinction between the two of them is as follows. In Mitzorah, Mukhlat requires Priya and Prima, allowing his hair to grow, rending of his clothing, and part of his purification process is the bringing of birds, and the Mitzorah, Muskar does not have those halachas. So it says the Gemara, So remember again, we're speaking about how do you know, how do you know how to make this distinction? So Rabbi says it's from here. The Pasuk says, the Mitzorah, who will have the affliction. So, this refers to someone whose saras is dependent on his body. This comes to exclude a person, what we call the Mitzorah Muskar, whose saras is interesting, whose saras is not dependent on his body, but rather is dependent on days. Which I will say, if we take a look at Rashi, Rashi, it's about uh, 2, 4, 6, 8, 10, about 12, 11, 12 lines up on the bottom. Yotza, well, actually, I share both. Mashma, Mishet Sar Asa Tuluyatum Asa Begufo, She calls Machlon and Strapim Menu Tame. So I will say, so ultimately, again, who do these halachos apply to? Someone whose saras is dependent on his body. But someone whose saras is dependent on days. Look at Rashi. Yatza, Muskar Shetim Asa Tuluyabeme Hesker. Into them, the Mitzorah Muskar, right? His saras is very much, is very much anchored in being sequestered, being quarantined for seven days, and then coming back afterwards, and then the coin coming back afterwards to see what's going on. So the Gemara says, When the Bible says, all the days of, right, all the days of the Nega will be coming. So we'll say, based on this, you would say, 
only someone whose tzara'as is dependent on his body, which means a mitzora muchlat. Only such a person requires shiluach. Rabbi says shiluach means he has to be sent out of the camp, or for our purposes, outside of the walls of the city. But someone who's being quarantined for a taras, perhaps he does not have to be sent out of the city. Maybe you'll say that is indeed the case. That's not the case. Yet we saw in the Mishnah, the only distinction between a Mitzorah Mukhlat and a Mitzorah Muskar is Priya and Prima, allowing the clothing, to, tearing the clothing and allowing his hair to grow. Regarding Tuma, as well as regarding Shiluach, the obligation to send him out of the wall of the city, both are the same. Amrlei, Yemei, Kol Yemei, L'Rabos Mitzorah Muskar L'Shiluach. Since the Pasuk could have just said Yemei, but instead it says Kol Yemei, the extra word is a Rebuy to come to teach you that even a Mitzorah Muskar, even a quarantined Mitzorah, must be quarantined outside of the city. Iachi, Taglachas V'Tsiporim, my time alone. If that's the case, then why not include the obligation to shave, to haircut shave, and bird offerings for a Mitzorah Muskar when he comes out of his quarantine as well. Because after all, we saw the Mishnah said that it's only a, it's only a Mitzorah Muklot who has to go ahead and has the hair cutting, shaving obligation, and bird offering obligation. To which the the Pasuk says the coin will go out outside of the camp and he will see that the Tzara'as has healed. Who has to go ahead and bring the birds? And who has to go ahead and do the shaving? And they are getting obligation. That's only a person whose Tzara'as was taken away through healing. But will include the Mitzorah Muskar, whose Tzara'as is not really remedied through quote-unquote healing, but rather is remedied through what? Through the passage of time. Beautiful. So I'll say so again, once again, the beauty of the beauty of these of these sugyas is interestingly enough, if you notice by the way, the theme over here, again, like I said, these are called the Ain Bain, Ain Bain Sugya. But if you notice the beauty of these Gemaras is no one's actually arguing over the Mishnah. In other words, the Mishnah statements are agreed upon, are agreed upon. Interesting enough, there's just a discussion about how the Mishnah arrived at those conclusions. So bottom line, the takeaway from this is that Halacha Lamaisa, we have two different types of Mitzorahs, what we call a Mitzorah Muskar and a Mitzorah Muchlat. Mitzorah Muskar, quarantined Mitzorah, really he's an individual quarantined under a suspicion of Sara'as versus a Mitzorah Muchlat, a confirmed case of Tzara'as. Distinction between the two of them, well, there's two levels of distinction. There's distinction in, in their, in their Tumah, quote unquote, and in their Tara. In their Tumah, it's that a Mitzorah Mukhlat, confirmed Mitzorah, has to tear his clothing, has to let his hair grow. Mitzorah Muskar, quarantined, sus- right, suspected Mitzorah, does not. And on the purification end, when the Mitzorah Mukhlat is purified, he has to shave, take a haircut, and bring bird offerings, the Mitzorah Muskar, who essentially is the suspected Mitzorah, who is then found not to be a Mitzorah, does not have these obligations. Beautiful. Mishnah, I will say, now we come to a very interesting sugya. Ein bein svarim, there is no distinction between svarim. Now, I will say, when we speak about svarim, Rashi says over here, Torah, Nevi'im, 
Uksuvim. Now remember again, I say, just to understand, from the Mishnah's perspective, how are we writing these books, so to speak? Scroll form. Scroll form on a cloth. So there's no distinction between how you write Torah, right? This Torah scroll, Nevi'im, or Ksuvim. There's no distinction between them. And Tefillin and Mezuzos, which are also have to be written on cloth, except for the following. Ella, Shasfarim Nechtavim Mechaloshim. So you both say Sfarim, which sounds like over here. It sounds like over here. So a Sefer Torah, a Sefer of Nevi'im, a Sefer of Ksuvim can be written in any language, in any language. And Tefillin Amazuzos could only be written in Lashon HaKodesh. Now, I'll say, here's what's interesting. You see, Ashuris normally refers to a type of script. That's, let's say, for example, when you open up a Sefer Torah, you're looking at, that's called Ksav Ashuris. Here, the Mishnah is using Ashuris to talk about a type of script and also to talk about Lashon HaKodesh. So here lies a fundamental distinction. Tefillin Amazuzos could only be written in Ashuris, which means... Hebrew, with this particular script called Ashuris. But interestingly enough, all other Svarim, Sifrei Torah, Sifrei Nevi'im, Sifrei Ksuvim, can be written in any language. Incredible. Rav Shigun Gilal says, No, says, Not true, even Svarim. Right? Even Svarim, Sefer Torah, Nevi'im, Ksuvim, and stop saying it because you understand. Right? It can only be written in Greek. So, Rav Shigun limits. He agrees that it is possible to write Svarim in a different language, but only in one other language, only in Greek, not in any other language. So we'll say, let's analyze. Says the Gemara, what do you see from here? The obligation to go ahead and piece the parchment together with sinews, right? Gidin. And the fact that Kisvei Kodesh transmit Tuma to the hands, like we saw last week, Alt or Sunday, Zev, Zesh, Shavin, both are the same. Both again, Sifrei Torah, Tfilin, I should say Sfarim, Tfilin and Mezuzos are all governed by these same halachas. That again, pieces of parchment must be attached with sinews and that they're metameyes hayadayim. Good. So we'll say, let's analyze. Now we're going to focus on Sfarim. So this is really very interesting. Because we'll say, by the way, if you notice, you know, in a Sefer Torah, right? How do you keep the pieces of cloth together? Those are attached with sinews, right? We call it gidin, right? Gidin from a kosher animal. Same way that, again, your tefillin, right? The, the batim are sewn together with gidin. So the idea, so, so therefore the Gemara says, both for tefillin and mezuzos, as well as for now, as well as for Sfarim, the basic halachos of use of gidin and metameh sadaim apply. So we'll say, now watch this. Remember, so now the Mishnah said, Sfarim, Kamirin in any language, says the Gemara or Minhu. Let me contrast this with the Braisa. What does the Braisa say? Mikra Shekasvu Targum. But say if you have a Pasik, if you have a Pasik that you wrote in Targum, in another language, look at Rashi. Mikra Shekasvu Targum, Sefer Shekasvu Belashna Kodesh, Harai Lichtov, Bo Mikra, Shekasvu Lashon Arami. So we'll say, let's say you have a Sefer that was supposed to be written in Hebrew. And instead, you wrote it. You wrote it in Aramaic. Now, by the way, Targum means Aramaic, but, but it means any other language, right? It's the words, Aramaic is just the example they're giving over here. So a person has a Pasuk or a Sefer that they were supposed to write in Hebrew, and you wrote it in Targum, in Aramaic. Or Targum Shekas Mikra. Or let's say you had a Pasuk that was supposed to be written in Aramaic, but instead you wrote it in Hebrew. 
They both say, where do you have a concept like that? Look at Rashi. V'kaso Ivri. Oshaloshina eshlashon alashina. I'm sorry. V'targum. Shairo v'chtavol targum kegon. Yigar sadusa. So we'll say, we'll get to this in just a little bit. But there, there are foreign languages in the Torah. For example, again, when Lavan goes ahead and runs after Yaakov Avinu. And they meet up. And Lavan agrees not to harm Yaakov. But essentially what they do is they create like a line of demarcation. You don't go. No, neither of us will pass this line. So they piled, They made a pile of stuff. And that served as the line of demarcation. So Yaakov called it Gal 8, right? The pile of testimony. And ultimately, Lavan called it Yigar Sadusa. What language is Yigar Sadusa? It's Aramaic, right? Some, some, some form of some, some earlier Semitic language, right? Ultimately, again, so that's an example. So let's say you, instead of writing Yigar Sadusa, you just wrote Gal 8, or you wrote Gal 8 twice. So what's Talah, huh? Or, or the, or the Gemara says, right, so, Mikra Shekasu Targum, Targum Shekasu Mikra, Uksav Ivri. Uksav Ivri is, Rashi says over here, is still writing Lashon Kodesh, but you use a different script. You don't use the script of Ashuris. In all of these cases, Eino Metames Hayadayim, if you write a scroll like this, so again, there's three possibilities. Either you wrote a scroll that was supposed to be in Hebrew, you wrote it in Aramaic, or it was Aramaic, but you wrote it in Hebrew, or you didn't use the Ashuris script, in all of these cases, this scroll does not convey ritual impurity to the hands. Now, say, we saw this already yesterday. What does it mean if it, if it doesn't, if it doesn't um, transmit ritual impurity to the hands? What does that tell you? What does that tell you? It's not Kisvei Kodesh. It's not Kisvei Kodesh. The only time that a Sefer transmits Ritual impurity is when? When you write it on cloth, that's Sefer, Ashuris, the script like a Sefer Torah, and Dio, a special kind of black ink. And Abba say, what do you see from this contradicts the Mishnah? Because what did the Mishnah say? The Mishnah said, Abba say, how can you write Svarim? How can you write Svarim? How can you write Svarim? What did the Mishnah say? Any way you want. Right? I can write, write Sefer Torah, Sefer Tanakh, Sefer Ksuvim, in any language that I want. And yet here, the Bryce clearly indicates that that's not the case. The Bryce says in order to write a Sefer, it's got to be again, ala Sefer Parchment, Ashuris, and Dio. And Dio. So what's going on over here? How do you, how do you reconcile the Bryce with the Mishnah? Rav Rav says, look, Asha, it's not a contradiction type of test. Kan begufan shalanu, kan begufan shalahen. This is very interesting. So Rava, Rava wants to suggest that our Mishnah is talking about a situation where Halacha you wrote a Sefer Torah, let's say, for example, in a different language, but you used our alphabet. So, so imagine for a moment, you wrote the Sefer Torah in a different language, but you used Ksavashuris. Use Ksavashuris, so different language, but our letters. Our letters. So imagine, by the way, you wrote a Sefer Torah in English, but it's not in English. In other words, it's written in Hebrew letters spelling out English words, right? So Rava says that, that's one way. So that, that would be kosher. In other words, the Rava will say the Sefer itself must always be Ashuris letters, but you could use Ashuris letters in a different language versus the Brisa, Kan Begufan Shalohen. If you look at Rashi, Rashi says, Kan Begufan Shalonu. You didn't change the alphabet, right? You didn't choose to change the letters. You just changed the language. Versus the Brisa is talking about a situation where you used a different form of writing. That is going to be a problem that won't be Kisvei Kodesh. Okay, so let's analyze this. Abayi says, one second. So, 
Begufan Shalan. So now, how are you setting up the Brisa? So let me get this straight. They're setting up the Brisa. The problem with the Brisa is that it's talking about a case where you wrote a Sefer Torah. I'm just using Sefer Torah as the example. You wrote a Sefer Torah in a foreign language using their alphabet. So the Gemara says, if that's the case, my area Mikra Shakasva Targum, the Targum Shakasva Mikra, Afilu Mikra Shakasva Mikra, the Targum Shakasva Targum. Nami, the Hakatani, Achiyichtivu Ashuras Ala Sefer Bidio. Abai says, here's the problem. If that's the case, why does the Brisa talk about a case of writing something that was supposed to be in Aramaic in Hebrew, or it was supposed to be in Hebrew and Aramaic? That, that's not the problem over here. What's the problem over here? According to Rav's interpretation, what's the problem of the Brisa? What's the problem? You're writing a Sefer with the wrong writing. With the wrong writing. Right? In other words, you're using non-Ksav Ashuris. And once you're using non-Ksav Ashuris, even if you went ahead, I will say, remember, if you're using non Ashuris, even if you wrote Targum as Targum and, and Mikra as Mikra, the Sefer is still not a Sefer because you're using the wrong alphabet. So the Gemara says, what's going on over here? Ela lo In reality, the Gemara says, at the end, Rabbi suggests, it's really reflective of two different opinions. Right? Remember again, the Brisa that says, the Brisa, if you take a look at Rashi, Rashi says, The Rabbanon are the ones who say that you can write a Sefer even in a different language. And Rabbi Shemuel is one who says, no, you can't. So the Brisa and Mishnah just simply reflect two different opinions. To which the Gemara says, I, one second, but that's not true. Rabbi Shigal himself says that what? Although he says you can't translate a Sefer into any language you want, he does allow for what? Greek. Greek. So again, Rabbi said the problem is the Braisa doesn't really make an allowance for any other language. So, Oh, we'll say, watch this. It's possible that what's happening over here is as follows. The Brisa that says that the only way to write something correctly is how? On parchment, right? On parchment with Ksavashuris and with Dio is referring to what? Tfilin and Mezuzos. The Mishnah that says that you could write a Sefer in any language is referring to what? Svarim, Torah, Nevi'im, and Ksuvim. That's the distinction. So the Gemara analyzes this. By the way, Tefillin and Mezuzos, my time up. Why is that? Rabbi said, by the way, it's totally counterintuitive, right? One would have thought, I don't know, maybe that's not counterintuitive, but one would have thought that, that, that there would be much greater limitations on how you write a Sefer Torah than how you write Tefillin and Mezuzos. Interesting enough, but yet, just the opposite is true. Tefillin and Mezuzos, the Mishnah is suggesting, the Gemara is suggesting, could only be written Sefer Dio Ksavashuris. A Sefer, the truth is, Sefer also has to be Dio, Sefer, has the parchment and Dio, but could just be written in any language. Why is it that Tefillin and Mezuzos could only be written in Ashuris, right? Why is that? Because it will say, because the Pasuk says, right? The Pasuk says, these things, these things shall be. So the Maradash is, the, the word means, Gemara interprets this elsewhere as well, like this, that the particular item in question has to be done exactly the way the Torah has it. 
So in other words, by tefillin and mezuzos, the hayu, the original form must be maintained, i.e. could only be written in Ashuris. And Ashuris meaning both Lashna Kodesh, Hebrew, as well as with this particular script. So we'll say, the Gemara says, my Targum Shekhasu Mikra. So we're jumping back. So therefore, we'll say, this seems to be the way the, way the Gemara is going to resolve the, the contradiction. That the Braisa, that seems to indicate you could only write things in Hebrew, or we'll call Ashuris, with Ashuris script on a Sefer and Dio, that's referring to Tefillin and Mezuzos. The Mishnah that says that you could write something in any language, that's referring to Sfarim. And Sfarim means, again, Torah, Nevi'im, and Ksuvim. So the Gemara says, by the way, you know, the Bryce spoke about a case of Targum Shekasva Mikra and Mikra Shekasva Targum. Something Aramaic that was written in Hebrew, something Hebrew that was written in Aramaic. So the Gemara says, my Targum Shekasva Mikra Ika. Excuse me. What is, what is the case of Targum Shekasvu Mikra, right? What's the case ultimately again of something Aramaic that was written in Hebrew? So we'll say now watch this. Bishlama Torah Ika. Say in the Torah. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. So watch this. So Bishlama Torah Ika. Bishlama Torah Ika. Yigar Sadusa. So this is why Rashi gave this example. Yigar Sadusa by Lavan. Right, so it makes sense ultimately again that there is this, there is a case of targum. Right here, you have Aramaic, Yigar Sadusa, Elahacha, but by Tfilna Mezuzos, where are you ever going to have? By targum Ika, Elalokasha. So, therefore, I will say, here's, here's the problem. The Braisa, see, remember, let's just follow the flow. The, we're trying to reconcile the contradiction between the Braisa and the Mishnah. Because the Mishnah indicates to us that Sram could be written in any language. The Bryce says, no, they can't. No, they can't. So how do you reconcile the two? So we thought that we accomplished this how by saying that the Bryce is talking about Tefillin HaMezuzos, right? And the Mishnah is talking about Svarim. Here's the problem. The Bryce talks about a case of Targum Shekasvu Mikra. You took something Aramaic and you wrote it in Hebrew. Now in Svarim, that occurs. Svarim that occurs. Now it occurs more than once, by the way. But the example the Gemara gives is Yigar Sadusa. In Tefillin Umazuzos, where do you have any Targum? Well, so right, if you think about the parashas of Tefillin Umazuzos, there's no Aramaic, right? There's, there's no Targum. So the Mishnah can't be referring to, Mishnah can't be referring to, um, to Tefillin Umazuzos, ultimately again, because there's no Targum. Now, both said the truth is, it actually is Targum, right? Which is Totafos. Now, the reason ultimately, again, I, why doesn't it say Totafos? See, Targum, this, was, this goes back to just the technicality. Targum means what? Targum means what? Means what? Aramaic. Totafos is not Aramaic, right? Totafos is a contraction, it's two words, Rashi says, Tat Bekafsi. Pas ba'afriki. It's some type of Coptic language, some type of Aramaic language. Tat means to, right? Kas means to. So totafos means four, which represents the compartments of the tefillin. So just on a very technical level, on a very technical level, it's not targum. It's a foreign language, but it's not targum. Okay, in any event, so therefore the Gemara says, kasha. So therefore the Gemara, the Gemara represents or, or, or presents another possibility of reconciliation. Elokasha kan be'megillah kan be'svarim. Oh, interesting. Interesting. The Mishnah is talking about Svarim. 
the, the Brisa is talking about Megillah. And Megillah can only be written in Ashuris, which means Hebrew with Ashuris script. So the Gemara says, my timer. Why is Megillah so strict? Because what's that? Interestingly enough, the Gemara, we're going to see this. Rosh. The Gemara is going to dash the most. Kichsavam kilshanam means the Megillah must be preserved in its original lashon, which is Ashuris, which is Ashuris. So the Gemara says, my timer shakasu mikra. So where is their targum? Right? Where is their Aramaic in the Megillah? Amrapapa v'nishma piskam hamelach. Right? Ultimately, again, the Pasuk says, the Piskam, right? The edict of the king was cursed. Piskam, interestingly enough, is not, is not considered to be Hebraic in nature, but rather, again, it is considered to be Aramaic in nature. Right? legislated that all women should respect her, should give honor to their wife. Yikar, also not Hebraic, ultimately Aramaic. So we'll say, so interestingly enough, so now another attempt over here, the Gemara wants to suggest that the Mishnah, which says that Svarim could be written in any language, that refers to Svarim, Sifrei Torah, um, so, so, sorry, Torah, Nevi'im, and Ksuvim. The Brisa that says that Svarim could only be written in Ashuris refers to Megillah. Megillah. So the Gemara says, Rav Ash, Rav Ash says, no, Kitanya, he Bishar Svarim. Not true, not true. When the, when the Brisa says, that a sefer could only be written, could only be written in in Ashuris. Interestingly enough, that refers to Nevi'im and Ksuvim, right? So it's interesting. So the Mishnah that says Sfarim could be written in any language, that's a sefer Torah. When they say that other other Sfarim could only be written in Ashuris, that's Nevi'im and Ksuvim. For Rabbi Yehuda, he, Rabbi, and Rabbi Yehuda, what does Rabbi Yehuda say? Rabbi Yehuda, he desanya tefillin umuzuzos inichtavin ella Ashuris. Right, so, Rabbi, so listen to this. The Brisa says, "Tzolam Azuzos can only be written in Ashuris." For Hitiru Yevanis. Ultimately, again, and the rabbis allow for Tzolam Azuzos to even be written in Greek. In Greek, I've Hoksiv Vahayu, but that can't be because you just said before that by Tzolam Azuzos you have the word Vahayu. And what does Vahayu teach me? Vahabiasanyu. They must be preserved in their original form, which tells me that Tzolam Azuzos cannot be translated or cannot be written in another language. Ella. Rather, it must be that Svarim can be written in any language. And the rabbis only allowed for Greek. Now, the fact that it says the rabbis allowed in Greek sounds like the Tanakama says that it's Aser. Rather, it must mean that the rabbis only allowed a Sefer Torah to be translated into Greek. So the Gemara says, I'm sorry, even when the rabbis allowed a Sefer to be translated into Greek, they only allowed a Sefer Torah to be translated into Greek. So both sides, before we get into this, so the last, the last approach of the Gemara seems to be as follows. This is incredible. That when the Mishnah says you could translate Sfarim into any other language, what is that referring to? A Sefer Torah. And then really any other language doesn't really mean any other language. What does, it, what does any other language really mean? Greek. But when it comes to Sfarim of Nevi'im and Ksuvim, those cannot be translated into other languages. I, why is the Torah permitted to go ahead and be translated into Greek? And the answer is, because it already happened. 
And when did our say an incredible, incredible Gemara? So the Gemara says, "My said the Talmi Hamelach," because this is the story of King Talmi. Rebbe said, "Now there are a couple of Talmis. There are a couple of Talmis throughout history." But Pashtas, they say that this is the second Talmi. And just to, just to give you a little historical context, this is approximately 250 BCE. 250 BCE. So again, about about 300 years before the second base Hamitash was destroyed. So we'll say so again, which which also puts us right around the time of the Hashmonaim, not so far off from the Hanukkah story. Again, so you've got Tommy, Greek king, Tommy Greek king, listen to what he does. Disanya, my Tommy Hamelach. There was one story of King Tommy. Shekines Shivim Ushnaim Zakanim. Bosa he gathered seventy two elders. Bosa, this is the story of the Septuagint. So he gathered seventy two elders, an incredible, incredible story. Vechnisan Beshivim Ushnaim Batim. And he gathered them in 72 distinct rooms. 70. Now Rashi says over here, by the way, that Ptolemy was Melech Mitzrayim. He was the king of Egypt. I will say now, again, that's because, remember, at this point in time in history, so Egypt was part of the Greek Empire. So he was, he was one of the regents, right? You know, again, remember, Alexander the Great divides up his empire amongst his five strongest generals. So he kind of, um, what's the word? Deconsolidated? Is that a word? Deconsolidated? Decentralized. decentralized, thank you. He decentralized power, right? He decentralized power. So you have these regional rulers, just like Antiochus, right? Antiochus was not the supreme ruler of the Greek Empire. Antiochus ultimately, again, was the regional ruler over the Middle East. So again, Ptolemy, Ptolemy was the king of Egypt. Ptolemy was the king of Egypt. What did he do? He decided he wanted a Greek translation of the Torah. But here's what he wanted about say. So he wanted a real translation. See, he knew what would happen is what? Is that the rabbis worked together to go ahead and come up with a translation. What were they going to do? They were going to change certain things. Because also remember again, the Torah does not translate well into other languages. Because Lashon Kodesh is a unique language. And we have words that do not translate. Not only that, but remember, in order to go ahead and really understand Torah the written Torah, what do you need? What do you need? Now remember, Ptolemy's not asking for a, for a set of arts called Shas, right? He's not asking for the Torah Shabbat which is very problematic because I will say there are, there are psukim in the Torah that translate and the only way to all really understand them is like, like you know, like Torah Shabbat like Lahav is like the decoder ring. There are many, many things that don't make sense. I should have There are many things that are, that you need Torah Shabbat in order to really understand what Torah Shabbat is saying. So Tommy doesn't want any games. He wants a real, a real unfiltered translation. He has a great idea. 72 elders, 72 elders, right? Put them in 72 separate rooms. They can't go ahead and work with one another. And I will get a real translation of the Torah. But I'll say, watch this, watch this. Now, of course, Tommy doesn't tell them why he's sequestering them either. He went to each of them and he said to them, He goes, right, sequester them, tells them each individually, give me a translation of the Torah of Moshe, your Rebbe. Give me a translation of Torah. So I will say, watch this. An incredible, incredible Maisa. Listen to this. 
Sechlish Baruch Hu inspired each of these 72 elders, right? He gave Nasechlish Baruch Hu believed Kalachad Vechad. He placed wisdom in their hearts, and Abba says, we're going to see all of them made the same changes in the translation. All of them made the same changes. So I'll say now the Gemara is going to go through the changes that they made. Now, what I want to point out over here, you're going to see is the changes that they made. Well, let's see. So the Gemara says, here we go. Here we go. Elokim bara bereshis. Doesn't sound familiar, right? Because it's not. Remember, we have bereshis bara Elokim. They changed it to Elokim bara bereshis. Why? Because what they were afraid about was as follows. Bereshis bara Elokim could be misinterpreted to say there was a deity named Bereshis, right? And Bereshis created Hashem. Bereshis bara Elokim. So in order to avoid that misconception of dualism, they changed it to Elokim bara bereshis. God created in the beginning. God created in the beginning. Good. Next change. Remember again, what does it say in the Torah? Let us make man in our form, in our image. Now, if you have Torah Shabbat, Rashi quotes the Gemara that says that what? HaKadosh Baruch Hu wanted to enfranchise the Malachim in the creation of man. Why? Because he was looking to minimize conflict. Sometimes the best way to minimize conflict is to onboard people with your process. That's what Kodesh Baruch was doing. But again, remember, Talmi's not interested in Perish Rashi. Right? So therefore, again, the problem with not let us make man once again seems to create a picture of dualism, of multiple gods. So therefore, again, or polytheism. So they change it to Adam. I will make man in my form, in my image. Next, this is great. What does the Pasuk say? The Pasuk says, The Pasuk says, Hashem stopped on the seventh day. And I will say, now if you read that Pasuk without Rashi, what, is it, what does it say? What does it say? God worked on the seventh day. Right? When it says He stopped on the seventh day, that means He worked on the seventh day and He stopped sometime on the seventh day. What does Rashi HaKadosh say? Rashi says in that Pasuk again, according to Gemara, the Bosham stopped at the moment, at the moment the seventh day began. You see, man does not know how to be so precise with time. So therefore, man doesn't know the exact moment between day six and day seven. But HaKadosh Baruch Hu does. Hashem stopped His work at the moment the seventh day began. But again, Talmi is not interested in Torah Shabbat. Eh? So instead they changed it to God stopped on the sixth day and he rested on the seventh day. Next, Pazik says, Zachar unekeva bira'o for the cause of bira'am. See, i in our version, right, in our version, in the version, in the Torah it says, Zachar unekeva bira'am. Hashem created them male and female. So the rabbis were concerned, or really Akash Baruch was concerned, because remember again, it's Ribon Sha'olam who's giving them the wisdom to make these changes. The problem is it sounds like Hashem created two beings, both of whom were male and female. And of course, that's not what I know. There's a machlokas, there's a machlokas, ultimately again, what the first human being looked like, but one thing is clear, there are not two beings who are both male and female. Therefore, they change it to, but the problem is if it says, he created them, male and female. It sounds like it's two beings, both who are male and female. Therefore, it changes it to the singular. Next, Hava Erda Ve'evla Sham Sasa. We'll say Migdal Migdal Bavel. Migdal Bavel. 
right? The generation tried to build the tower. The Pasuk says, again, let us go down. Rashi once again tells us who is God talking to? His Beisdin. His Beisdin, right? Once again, if we do it in the plural, it looks like polytheism. Therefore, it says, I will go down. Good. This is very interesting. The Pasuk says, Sarah, now we'll say, the, our Pasuk says, Vatitzchak Sarah Bekirba. Sarah laughed to herself. Changed it to, Vatitzchak Sarah Bekirba. Sarah laughed with her relatives, with her close friends. We'll say, what's the pshat? See, if I would have just said that Sarah laughed Bekirba to herself, Tommy would have said, well, there's an inequality here. Avraham laughs, and yet he's not rebuked by God. Sarah laughs, and yet she is rebuked by God. So what's the pshat? I will say, so once again, Chazal explained to us, Sarah's laugh was a laugh of disbelief. Avraham's laugh was a laugh of incredible joy. That's why Sarah's rebuked and Avraham, or Sarah's called to task and Avraham is not. Once again, tell me not interested in Rashi. So therefore, again, it says, that there was the Avraham laugh to himself. Sarah shared her laughter with other people. Okay. Ki ba'apam hargushar akru avus. So we'll say, so remember again, this is in last week's parasha, parasha's Vayichi, Yaakov Avinu is rebuking Shimon and Levi for their anger. Now remember the Pasik is, the, the Pasik is, Kiba Apam Hargu Ish Obirtsonam Akrushar. So they were so the so they were nervous that Tommy is gonna see this. And is going to accuse the Jews of being murderers. Therefore they changed it to Kiba Apam Hargu Shar. With their anger, they killed an ox. Okay? So was very interesting. So the Pasuk says, Moshe took his wife and the children. I'll both say, this is actually, the, this, is actually this week's parasha. Parasha Shemos. This week's parasha, when Moshe is coming from Midian down to Mitzrayim. So the our Pasuk says that Moshe took his wife and his children and he put them on a donkey. They changed it to, they changed it to, Vayakivim al-Nosei b'nei Adam. He took his family on a people carrier, which sounds like a wagon or something else. Why? Because they thought that Talmi would disparage Moshe. This is your leader, and he's riding on a donkey. Right? That's the best he got. No horse, no carriage, no nothing. So therefore, they changed it to no say b'nei Adam. Good. Umoshav b'nei Yisrael sheyashu b'nitzrayim m'shara ratzos arba me'oshanas. Listen to this. We'll say, our politics says, Klav Yisrael dwelt in Egypt 400 years. Now, Rashi, now the truth is, here's the problem. Klal Yisrael wasn't in Egypt for 400 years. So remember, Rashi tells, again, quoting Chazal, that no, 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 the clock starts from Bris Ben Habsar, really from the birth of Yitzchak, from the birth of Yitzchak. Again, Talmud is uninterested in that, so therefore they have to say the amount of time that Klal Yisrael dwelled in Egypt and other countries, including Yaakov, you know, sojourning, you know, with Lavan and things like that, 400 Four hundred years. Vayishlach as zatute bnei Yisrael ve'al zatute bnei Yisrael oshlach. So I will say. So remember again, the change here is the same. The pasuk over is talking about by Kabbalah Rabbi Har Sinai. So the pasuk says vayishlach as naare bnei Yisrael. Moshe sent the naarim, the lads, to offer up kabbalos. They felt, or Kesh felt, that Tommy would interpret this in a disparaging fashion. In a disparaging fashion, that you send the lads to offer kabbalos and not and not. You know, ministers are important people, so they changed to Zatute. Zatute means, Zatute means, um, noblemen, noblemen. So to Val Zatute Bene Israel Shalach Yado. Good, Ahmed Beis. So, so that's the same change. Lochamad Mehem Nasasi. 
Remember again, this is when Moshe Rabbeinu, when Moshe Rabbeinu gets very angry with Klal So this is by Korach. This is by Korach. So Moshe Rabbeinu says, you know, a chutzpah of these people, they accuse me of power grabbing. And meanwhile, lo chamad mehem nasasi. Now the Pasuk really is, lo chamar, I haven't even taken a donkey. I haven't taken a donkey. So they were nervous that Tommy would interpret this as saying, yeah, you never took a donkey, but you took all this stuff. So therefore it says, lo chamad, I never took anything. I never took anything from them. Yeah, so the Pasuk here, the Pasuk says, the Pasuk over here is, Upentisa is, 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 is I'll read you the pasuk as it is. Upentisa inecha shemayim of Reisa Hashemes veseyareach vesakolchavim koltsvash vaynidakta fishtachavisalem vavarta asher chala kashem alokecha osam lechala amim. So they change it to asher chala kashem alokecha itam lahayir lechala or osam lahayir lechala amim. So they talk about the sun and the moon, sun and the moon. So they change it to. Why were the sun and moon created? To give light, but not to be worshipped. So the Pasuk says, literally the Pasuk reads, they went and they worshipped other gods. Once again, the Rabbanim were concerned. Sounds like they went to worship other gods, that I did not command to be created or created on their own, which once again sounds like dualism, polytheism. Therefore, again, I shall They go to worship other gods that I did not command to serve. Good. We'll say the last one is very interesting. Because we'll say, by the way, so you see, you see that the mistake, the, the changes they made really kind of all fall into two categories. Either things that could promote a false ideology of polytheism, more than one God, or things that disparage Moshe Rabbeinu, which is very interesting. Because remember again, the, the, the Navu of Moshe Rabbeinu, remember again, is, is such an important part of the Torah. So the identity and the memory of Moshe Rabbeinu and the sanctity and the righteousness of Moshe Rabbeinu has to remain intact. So anything that could erode the sanctity of Moshe Rabbeinu or erode the oneness of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, those are the changes they made, with one notable exception. Watch this. The Kasvulo, what are the changes they made? Both said the Arneves is a non-kosher animal, but they did not write the word of the name Arneves. Instead, they wrote the animal with the short legs, right? Why not? This is wild. Talmi's wife's name, Mrs. Talmi, was named Arneves. And they were quite concerned that if they had the name Arneves in the Torah, as a non-kosher animal, that could probably raise the ire of Talmi. So he said, you know what, let's take out our nevas and let's just instead put in there the short-legged animal. Because they were concerned that Talmi is going to say, the Jews are making fun of me, and they put my wife's name in the Torah. So they both say, these are all the names of Talmi. Now both say, so let's, let's bring this all together. Therefore, the Gemara is suggesting, the Gemara is suggesting as follows. Really, Svarim should not be translated into any other language. However, a safer Torah can, Torah can, Nevi'im and Ksuvim cannot. So when the Brisa says that you cannot translate other Svarim, the only way to have a safer is with Ashuris. Safer Bidio is talking about Svarim of Nevi'im and Ksuvim. And when the Mishnah says that a safer can be written in another language, what is that referring to? Number one, the other language being referred to here is what? Greek. And number two, it only refers to what? A safer Torah. Because Halacha Lamaisa, that was already done by Talmi 
with the Septuagint. So watch this. So the Mishnah says as follows. The Mishnah said, actually, let's just, uh, let's finish. Let's finish the, until the Mishnah. So the Gemara says, Rabbi Shimon will say, now, by the way, we're also in the sense of Rabbi position. Rabbi says, no, 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 no. You can't translate a Sefer into any language. You could translate it into Greek because it was already done. So it says, the namely, that you could translate a Sefer Torah into Greek. Into Greek. So the Gemara says, "I'm Rabbi Yochanan, my Torah Bishem Gamliel." What's Rabbi Shimon's logic? I'm a Kra Yaft Elokim LeYefes, the Yishkon Ba'ohale Shein. As well said, the pasuk says, "Yaft Elokim Yefes." God will give beauty to Yefes. Remember, Yefes is the ancestor of Greece, or I should say, Greece is the offspring. Right? Is the um, what's the opposite of ancestor? Descendant. Thank you. Right? Descendant of Yefes. So the beauty of Yefes, which is Greece. The Yishkon Ba'aleshem will dwell in the tents of shame. We are the descendants of shame. So therefore, again, you see from here that there's an element of Yefes that dwells in the tents of shame. Which of Shem is understanding, Dvarav Shal Yefes, Yiv Ba'aleshem. The language of Yefes will find itself in the tents of shame. I ve'ema Gomer Mogog. Maybe it's a different descendant of Yefes. Gomer Mogog. Amar B'chibar Abba. Hayu Tamit Chsev Yeft Elokim Yefes. The beauty of Yefes, which is understood to be the Greek language, shall dwell in the tent of shame, the tents of Torah. So from Rosh Hashanah says, you're allowed to translate Torah into Greek. So, we'll say, so just to be clear, the way the Gemara ends off by Rex on the Mishnah with the Brisa is the Brisa is referring to Svarim of Nevim and Ksuvim, which cannot be translated into any other language. A Sefer Torah can be translated into another language, but which language? We pass like Rosh Hashanah, which language? Like Greek. Greek, why can it be translated into Greek? So first of all, I have a posic that seems to indicate that there's going to be this interconnectivity between Shem and Yafas. Yafas, Greece, Shem, Klal, Yisrael, the interconnectivity. What's the interconnectivity? Again, that Torah can be translated into Greek. But why, can tra- why, why do we have a license to translate Torah into Greek? Ultimately, again, because it already occurred. When did it already occur? Under the days of Ptolemy. But let's, say, let's finish the sugya. The Rambam, very, very, very important Rambam. Hilchos, Tfilin, Omuzuzah, Vesefer Torah, Perak Aleph, Halacha Yutes, Aleph Yutes in the Rambam. Ain kosvin tefillin or mezuzah ela b'ksav ashuris. Someone about say if I say halacha l'maisa tefillin or mezuzah can only be written ashuris, which means again ashuris script lashna kodesh. Here we go. Ve'tiro b'svarim lichtov af biyavani bilvad. Now the Rambam says by svarim in general, you could translate svarim into Greek. However, look what the Rambam says. Ukvari nishka yavani mina olam. Pure Greek, real Greek, original Greek, says the Rambam, has been forgotten from the world. The license to translate a Sefer into Greek was original Greek. Original Greek, the Rambam says that dialect or that language has been forgotten or has been corrupted. Therefore, the Rambam Paskins, the Halach Alamaisa, presently, presently, you can only go ahead and write a sefer, if, right? Whether it's tefillin, mezuzos, svarim of Torah, neviim, and ksuvim in lashon hakodesh in ashuris, which means ashuris script, 
and Ivris. Right? So we'll say very, so this, so therefore again, presently, this heter does not apply. Anything you're going to write in scroll form must be written in Ashuris, which means again Hebrew, and with Ashuris script, and of course, on parchment with Dio. Incredible. We'll say just two more words. I'll tell you something absolutely amazing. The Shulchan Aruch says, this is an Arachim tough, tough kuf pei. Listen to the Shulchan Aruch. We'll say, when did the episode of Talmi happen? When did it happen? So I told you about 250 BCE. Calendrically, when did it happen? Get ready for this. Beches Beteves. Esau. Sheyesh Tainis Sadikim. Righteous people fast on the 8th of Teves. Why do righteous people fast on the 8th of Teves? Shebo. Shebo. Nichtava Hatori Yivanis. Bimei Talmi Amelech. The Septuagint, the translation of the Torah into Greek by the 72 elders, which again was, was a difficult day, happened on the 8th of Tevez. Tevez, get ready for this. Vahaya choshech ba'olam gimel yamin. And a dramatic darkness descended into the world for three days. 8th of Tevez, 9th of Tevez, Asara b'Tevez. Sayyid Rabbah said the fast of Asara b'Tevez, just last week, the fast of Asara b'Tevez, is related to the translation of Talmi HaMelech as well. So I will say this idea that the Torah was translated into Greek. And more than that, the pain over having to make these type of corrections in order to avoid Gentile misinterpretation was very difficult. It was very difficult because also the beauty of the Torah is its immutability. The fact that we have to go ahead and make changes in order to suit someone else's needs or avoid someone else's misconception was an incredibly dark day, not just for Kalal Yisrael, an incredibly dark day for the world. But I will say, just one last piece, then we'll go on. And when I say go on, I mean go on to chakras. Um, so I'll say, so, so interestingly enough, just one word about this. It's interesting, we were introduced to this idea that the Torah has targum. So you ask yourself, why does the Torah have foreign languages in it? Right? Why does the Torah record Yigar Sadusa? Or why is the word for Tzulim Totafos made up of two words that are not of Hebraic origin? Why is that? And the great Sadik, says something so beautiful. The Torah Dafka includes foreign dialects to teach us that Torah can be found anywhere. You see, the Rebbe Shalom realized that we were going to be in diaspora for a very long time. A very long time. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu never wanted us to think that Torah could only be found in certain places, among certain cultures, when we speak certain languages. The Torah Dafka goes ahead and utilizes other foreign languages to teach us that wherever we are, whenever we are, whatever language we are talking, Torah, Ruchnius, our relationship with the Ribbono Shal Olam is always accessible. So whether you're with Lavan or whether you're in Africa or whether you're Pats, Afriki, wherever you might be, wherever you are, whatever language you are, whatever culture you're a part of, whatever country you're living in, never has the Shalom thing that Torah and its associated Ruchnius is inaccessible to you. An incredible Yisod. But we'll say, right, we'll have, to, we'll have to stop over here. We are going to pick up with the mission. I think we'll start at 545 tomorrow. Um, oh, yes, yes, we will start at 545. I'll say, now, I just want to point out, you know, it, it'll move quickly. Emir Hashem, we're going to see, we'll say, coming attractions, we are going to begin the beautiful Agartha of the Megillah starting tomorrow. Emir Hashem. So we'll get through, we'll finish off the Ein Bain Sugis tomorrow, Emir Hashem. So we'll begin, we'll say, Shiro tomorrow, we'll begin at 545 promptly. We'll get through the Sugis, we're going to begin the beautiful Agartha tomorrow as well. Shkayach, everyone.